Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week... In the red corner, Denzel Washington is out for revenge after corrupt cops and kidnappers make off for the first thing he's loved in a long time, little superstar swimmer Peter. From 2004, he becomes a man on fire. While in the blue corner, Keanu Reeves has his own score to settle with the gangsters who, a few days after his wife died, steal his car and kill his fucking dog from 2014. Yeah, he's back. It's John Wick. I'm going to go get her. Anyone who gets in my way, anybody who profited from it, anybody who opens their eyes at me, I'm going to kill him. Tell me about Chrissy. I'd like to understand him. A man can be an artist in anything. It depends on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is dead. He's about to paint his masterpiece. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan, you got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. It's a royal rumble of revenge in today's fight to the death, so let battle commence. It's Clash of the Titles. The Hello, Clash Butters. Forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. And today we are joined by a very special guest. He is the host of the award-winning Absolute Radio Breakfast Show and the excellent Doctor Next Door and Dad Pod podcasts. It's a big welcome, making his second appearance on Clash of the Titles to the brilliant Dave Berry. Hey, hey. 
Wooga. Hi, Alex. Thank you. Hey, Chris. Hi, Dave. Hello, everybody. It's an honour and a privilege to be back. Thank you for the invitation. It's genuinely wonderful to have you back, and I am right in calling your radio show an award-winning radio show. It is an award-winning radio you show. You recently picked up the highest accolade that the Radio Academy can offer a radio show, am I right? Fifth metre swimming certificate, yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were thrilled. Uh, yes, we recently scooped the Radio Academy gold for Breakfast Show of the Year, Hello. and wow. um, that was a really special moment for myself and everyone who's involved in the in the show, so yes, thank you for bringing that up. Congratulations, sir. Bless you. Congratulations! It's great to have you here today. What a pairing. I think it was you. I know we always decide who suggested what pairings, but I think the acorn of genesis of this pairing of Man on Fire <laughs> and John it came from your good self. Can I just say, Dave messaged me to ask me if it was him. <laughs> <laughs> Everything gets a bit foggy after a while. Yeah, yeah there's, we've almost got um, kind of meta Clash of the Titles happening today because you, uh, and you know, befitting of the movies that we're going to discuss, Alex, you effectively pistol whipped me into watching uh, the previous two movies <laughs> I had to endure, which was Red Heat and Tango and Cash. Go back and listen to those episodes. They are gold. Yeah, so um, I was determined to mm. come back on here. Mm. and talk about some good movies. Yep. Uh, so I saw one of the films, and I will discuss this shortly, uh, for the first time, and messaged you. And now I'm back on here talking about the film that I messaged you, can I do on Clash of the Titles? Because the last time was Clash of the Titles, the movie was so bad, and now we're <laughs> discussing it. So it is meta, yeah. Clash of the Titles. The, the quicker way to say this is, Dave did not pick Red Heat. I picked Red <laughs> Heat on his behalf. Yeah, and we spent three hours discussing <laughs> Jack Palance's Mouse Palace, um, and it was a career low for me. So as I say, I, I, I'm happy to be back. Yes, you'd be surprised if we haven't won an award. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't even have a swimming certificate. Uh, so the clue I gave on last week's show was you don't fuck with his surrogate family. Chris, follow that up on Twitter with... I mean, we'd had a couple of beers, hadn't yeah. we, Alex? We oh, were we in had. a pub garden and you were trying to set fire to my, fire to my fake candle wick. Mm, yep. So it was effectively it was, a fire and a wick. I mean, it was as good a video as that explanation deserves. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't our best work. Uh, the guesses did arrive on our Twitter at ClashPod in a hail of bullets. We're also on Instagram at ClashPod and TikTok as well. And somehow, Chris, despite our best efforts, <laughs> not one but two people got the correct wow. answer. Uh, so congratulations to, I love this name, Quigon Grimm. Uh, but our winner this week with the first correct guess is Russ. Long-time listener, Russ. Well done, Russ. Your prize this week is a fucking pencil. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be more of Ego. I'd forgotten about the impressions. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind by calling them impressions. <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's go through the connection section. What connects these two movies? Uh, I'll start. Uh, heroes that get frustrated having the same thing said to them over and over again. Wick is obviously, people keep asking me if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer, but now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And on the other end of the scale, mm -hmm. uh, Creasy, I can't, I can't do Denzel. Everybody keeps saying that to me. I'm just a professional. I'm just a professional. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing that. Okay, very good. Yeah. Johnson Moore? Sure, Alex, let's just power through this one. All right, subtitles. <laughs> uh, yeah, subtitle fun. Mm, David uh, Leach and uh, Stad... Stahelski. Stahelski. Chad Stahelski. David Leach and Chad Stahelski uh, said that the fact they use subtitles in John, in John Wick is because Tony Scott had done it in Man of Fire oh. and they said they liked that. Mm, so that's why we get it in those. Any more? 
Uh, have you got any, Dave? Uh, well, during the subtitles, at one point, I just, I honestly, I, I, I sat upright on the sofa and I went, don't put your pin number on the screen. People will see it. <laughs> That's how immersed I was in Man on Fire. Uh, heroes who no longer care about anything until a new living creature appear in their lives. Assassins. I know we discussed this, you and I, Chris. Uh, they are both assassins. I mm. know that we were discussing whether John Wick belonged with a much more clear-cut Hitman-style movie, mm. but in Man on Fire, he gets called an assassin. He did yes. work for the government. He was an assassin. He's just become a bodyguard. You're right. Um, the use of unusual objects in the demise of your adversaries yeah. is, um, mm. is another thing. fucking pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll set them up you knock them down. <laughs> is that what's happening? <laughs> uh, yeah, Elder Mentors. Uh, Christopher Walken and Ian McShane both inhabit the elder mentor kind mm -hmm. of role. Mm -hmm. Although I think the writer of John Wick would say Marcus was really his mentor. Mm, okay, yeah. Um, Touring up sequences, um, handsome men walking away from explosions. Yep. Um, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. Um, and you had one job. Look after the dog. Look after <laughs> the girl. Yeah. <laughs> one job, lads. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's do this. All right, um, on Thursday, Chris is thinking he's back as he takes us through John Wick, which means today it's time to ask, do you think God will forgive us for what we've done? Let me take you on a journey. Creasy is a former military assassin who now has no reason to live outside of his bottle of Jack Daniels and playing catch with a bullet. But then he's hired as the bodyguard for little Peter and suddenly his life has meaning again because it turns out his true calling was teaching swimming lessons. <laughs> All is well for a whole hour of swimming before some very bad men kidnap and then murder Peter. Time for Creasy to get himself some guns, lots of guns, and avenge Peter's murder, which involves finger chopping, blowing up entire nightclubs and butt bombs. But wouldn't you just know, we find out Peter's alive right after her mum Lisa has asked Creasy to execute her dad because he was the one who planned the kidnapping. Sadly, we never get the scene where Lisa goes, so listen, Peter, and I know you love daddy, but mummy did a silly thing involving an execution. <laughs> anyway, Creasy exchanges his life for Peter's and proves that... Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil by putting a bomb in a guy's ass. <laughs> Class modders, for your consideration, a man on fire. So history of this movie. Chris, when did you see it? I watched it when it came out at the cinema. And? and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I have not seen it since. Oh, second watch? This was a second watch. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dave? Well, I watched it um, because I was so shaken by having to watch Tango and Cash <laughs> and Red Heat that I, I needed something in my life. No, I'm, I'm a huge Denzel fan. Who isn't? And um, I had the pleasure of meeting him on, on a couple of occasions. Oh, my God, there's that hilarious video. Is it still on your Instagram? There's two great moments that I've had with Denzel. It's it, on my Instagram, yeah, Dave underscore Berry underscore Insta. I love an underscore. Uh, <laughs> effectively, the interview went off piste, which are always the best interviews, as, as you both know. Um, and we ended up firing the camera operator, Phil, who is the number one Denzel fan in the world. <laughs> and listen to him squirm. And Denzel as well, who is obviously completely improvising it, because I say, Denzel, would you do us the, the great honour of firing Phil? Because <laughs> none of the mics work, the cameras keep glitching. And Denzel's like, this is my best bit. And I'm like, well, just go for it, Denzel. And he just leans into, like... You 
you see a bit of training day, you see a bit of man on fire, and it's just wonderful. The first time I met him, he came on for a movie called Unstoppable with oh, yeah. Chris Pine. We've done it on, on the show. Mm. A, a movie that I really enjoyed, and I've only seen the once, and right. it was in preparation for him coming on. And at the time, and this would have been, if I'm right, about 2009, and there was a new app. Uh, they were the new thing. <laughs> and this yeah, app, heard of these. Would, you could take a picture of yourself or your friend and it would tell you which Oscar-winning Hollywood actor <laughs> you resembled the most. And everyone was sharing the results. It was all very funny. And as we had an actual bona fide Oscar-winning Hollywood superstar on the show, I thought, there's this new app, Denzel. I'm going to take a picture of you and it's going to obviously come back and tell me that you look like Denzel Washington. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong oh with God. the tech of 2009? So I took a picture of Denzel, which he really liked. You know, it was so kind of him just to put... He was kind of a bit like, hello, <laughs> I'm posing for this picture. And I've got my camera up in his grill. Uh, and it came back um, with Richard E. Grant. Wowza. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Was he happy with that? No, well, he was confused, yeah. as was I. Yeah. I think it ended the app. I think when that <laughs> interview went out, I think that, that app was over. And all those people walking around going, do you know, this thing doesn't look a bit like Bruce Willis. <laughs> no, you don't, Jim, from accounts. No, you don't, because Denzel looks like Richard E. Grant. Um, so, so I'm a massive, massive fan. And, and the truth of the matter is, um, whilst I'd seen Training Day in Philadelphia and Malcolm X and so many of those wonderful films that he'd done, I don't know how, but Man on Fire had slipped through the net and then life gets in the way and it's one of those things that just isn't there and then our good friends over at Sky Cinema mm. um, decided just to stick it up on the home screen mm. and this was a few days after I'd been on Clash of the Titles for the first time and I watched it and in fact uh, Chris you said at the top that I messaged you I screen grabbed it <laughs> I, said, I said how has this come to be and I know it's got something to do with me and uh, succinctly put it says after our record we were laughing in the pub about how bad the films were on your episode then <laughs> you said you'd like to do a good film next time a simple request I'm sure you'll all agree poddlers uh, quite Quite soon after, you saw Man on Fire for the first time and messaged Alex, and Alex was like, hell yeah. And so here we are. And I absolutely loved it, and it contains all of the things that I love about film, and mm. it's... I think there's enough going on there to, for me to be completely entertained. I love the relationship between Creasy and Peter. I love Christopher Walken's character in it. I love how it all came together. It's not quite as um, kind of straight... Route one down the line as John Wick. I think there's a little bit more going on in it. And for that reason, I was in love. And I'm so pleased you give me the opportunity to talk about it here. Oh, man. Well, we're going to get into that because I think you've hit the nail on the head. We're going to talk a lot about the fact yes. that there is a lot of meat on the bones in Ooh. Man on Fire, whereas John Wick is a much more lean machine. Uh, I've seen it once before and I had one of the greatest experiences of my life watching this. I was just that level of nicely drunk where I do remember the movies. <laughs> Good. Uh, but I'm just Helps really, I'm really invested <laughs> in the movie because I'm like, you know, when you're just a little bit drunk and like you sort of feel like you're part of the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, oh, my God, he's, they've done Peter's. Dead? Yeah. Stop putting your pin number on the screen. <laughs> I've been there. So I was really, I got really emotional and I walked away from that and I've never wanted to watch it again because I was like, it's just sort of there in my memory mm. as one of the great cinematic experiences I've had. So watching it this time, it had a lot to live up to. I, I, I just started my first job at Hot Dog Magazine and I think we all saw it and we all came back loving it. We gave it maybe four stars out of five in the magazine. I think we called it the best action film of the year. Mm. So my other memory is that everyone loves this film. Yep. And it turns out not everyone, not loves, everyone this film. loves this film. So that's the big surprise to me this week. 
Yeah, it's um, it's astonishing. Thirty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes is where this movie wow. is. No it's, way. It's, I, I honestly, it's uh, unfathomable. There's a really long piece that unfortunately you can only find excerpts on uh, online. A guy actually did a whole thesis uh, about the nature of evil in Man on Fire, uh, and I, I thought you were going to say the nature of evil on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he seems to think, which I just they only I, the only quote I could find was his argument that apparently uh, American reviewers were a lot more critical of it than. British reviewers uh, and uh, global reviewers, and it was because at that time vigilantism was kind of frowned upon in America. I don't know whether it was happening a lot, because, again, I couldn't find enough about this article, but I imagine that was the case, that people were taking the law into their own mm. hands, and so a movie that had someone doing exactly that was frowned upon. But Rotten Tomatoes also has an audience percentage, and there it's 89%. Yeah, yeah. Correct. which is much more like it. Correct. I'll tell you a little bit about this movie. So it is based on a 1981 novel by A.J. Quinnell. Uh, it's the first of five novels featuring the character Creasy, which gives a massive clue as to one big change between the book and this film. <laughs> Did you read the book? I, I didn't read the book. Unbelievable. No. Okay. Did, I didn't even watch the 1987 version. Um, seriously? Yeah. Did you? I, I did. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, well, you can tell me about that in a minute. So, yeah, uh, the other big difference with the book, and this is a spoiler in case you're planning on reading A.J. Quinnell's 1981 novel, uh, Man on Fire, uh, the little girl does not survive the book version. Oh, wow. She uh, she dies. It's uh, There are some excerpts online. It sounds pretty grim. She mm. dies suffocating on her own vomit in the back of a car. Well done, Tony Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Some decisions in adaptations are the right decisions. Uh, so it was set in Italy, though, uh, because it was set in the 1980s. And I, I, didn't, I had no idea about this, but in the 1980s, Italy was the kidnapping capital of the world. There was a huge number of mafia kidnappings. And so Tony Scott, in the early 80s, actually wanted to adapt this book into Man on Fire. It was going to be his second film after The Hunger, and because he only had made The Hunger at this point, no one was going to get behind him. So who was going to play Creasy? So I read a, I read a couple. Uh, I heard that Marlon Brando uh, was in the running for Creasy, but then mm. somewhere else it says Marlon Brando was in the running for Rayburn, Walken's character, in this yeah. before he died. Because I think, I think 80s Brando would struggle with the physicality Perhaps. of yeah. the role, being something of a whale. Who do you know? No, I'm asking you. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think uh, it, it very quickly uh, sort of went away after Tony Scott couldn't do it. Um, fast forward to 1987, and we do get a straight-to-video movie version with Scott Glenn as Creasy. Did you, you know about this, Dave? That no, this is, this it's, is it's, news to me. It's essentially a remake. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's set in Italy, though, this one. So is the first movie... Is that, has that had the same editorial changes made to it as the movie that we know and love? We're about to find out. Book? Yeah, so I watched it last week. Um, it's Yeah, as, as you said, it's 1987. It's called Man on Fire. It was also known as Without Mercy. Um, it opens with Creasy in a body bag. Oh. Dead. Hmm. Um, and as you say, it's played by Scott Glenn. He's haunted by his inability to save a child in his past. So Creasy in the new version is haunted by his ability to kill people so well. This time he's haunted. It's very directly connected to this plot. Um, his handler uh, is played by Joe Pesci in this version of it. Oh, wow. um, and it all happens, as you say, in Italy around Lake Como. And it's about these mafia gangsters who have their children kidnapped. Um, he connects with the girl through of Mice and Men. She thinks he's Lenny. That's a big part of the, the story. That's not a good comparison. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't yeah. call me Lenny. I just hugged her too hard. <laughs> um, she's a runner, not a swimmer. And um, it turns out at the, he saves her at the end, so she does survive. And it turns out he wasn't 
dead at all. Mm. They were fooling us with the body bag thing and they reunite the two of them at the end and they sort of live happily ever after, uh, Creasy and the little girl. So there could have been a movie where Marlon Brando was teaching someone to run. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in, in the 80s, yeah. Uh, that's interesting, yeah. So they kept, there's, that's the same as the book then. Because right. in, in the book, he uh, it looks like he's died and then he comes back to life mm. at the end and we get four more books. It's not bad. Mm. It's, a, it's a good film. And Scott Glenn makes a very good Creasy as well. As you can imagine, like you can believe him as a killer. Um, the cast really good. Jonathan Price is in it as well, mm. but I mean, yeah, it's not on the level of this one. Well, the producer of that movie is a guy called Arnon Milchen, and uh, come the early two thousands, Arnon, who he's channel surfing in his hotel room at three a.m., comes upon the own his own movie, nineteen eighty seven's Man on Fire, and decides, you know what, this is ready for an update. Uh, so he starts looking for directors. He's thinking maybe Michael Bay or Anton Fuqua to direct. Before he realizes, no, Tony loved this movie. So he calls up Tony Scott, who says, the idea of this film has never left my mind since the 80s. So casting-wise, Tony Scott had made Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington in 95. This is the first movie of the five movies they made together. Um, Robert De Niro is the first person they approached for the role of Creasy. And this is the thing I heard about Brando being considered for Rayburn, which actually makes a lot more sense. Mm. Uh, so... In terms of casting Creasy, though, Robert De Niro says no. So Scott, Tony Scott, is visiting his acupuncturist in L.A. And lo and behold, in the waiting room, visiting the same acupuncturist is Denzel Washington. Uh, he'd already cast Dakota Fanning at this point after he'd seen her in the Sean Penn drama I Am Sam. So he starts talking to Denzel uh, about family. He doesn't tell him about Man on Fire at all. He just starts going, so, how's your family? And starts trying to basically find out what Denzel's sort of idea about If family. one of your kids was to be taken <laughs> for a sum of money, how far would you go? How much do you love them? Yeah. They're dead. If I gave Hypothetically. You, if I gave you some latex gloves <laughs> and some loom. <laughs> but literally, Denzel Washington d describes this as basically he didn't realise he was auditioning for Man on Fire. It was like a Fantastic. stealth audition. And so Tony comes out of this acupuncturist and is like, no, Denzel is the right guy uh, for Creasy. And so they cast Denzel. Uh, 20th Century Fox want to make it set in Italy. Uh, Brian Hegland's script uh, was actually set in Naples. And then Scott, quite rightly, sort of goes, it would have to be a period piece then because Italy in the early 2000s was no longer the kidnapped capital of the world. That was South America. And so the movie gets moved to Mexico City. The Belletto family in the script become the Ramos family. And uh, Scott describes Mexico City as the third character in the film. He says it's sexual, it's dark, it's dangerous, it's violent, it's beautiful. Well, there's, it actually gets its own credit before any mm. of the actors do at the end yeah. of the movie. A very mm. special place. Yeah, a very special place. I think yeah. that's sort of by way of apology. I, yeah, I think it's taking the piss, really. We've just spent two and a half hours saying what a shithole your country is. And thank you. It, it, it does feel a little bit like... But, I mean, they got a lot of help from like the Mexican authorities making the movie. Sure, I, but then I felt like they might have watched it and thought, what have we done? <laughs> no one's ever going to come here again. So it did pretty well. $70 million budget, $130 million at the box office, about the same again on home rentals. And, yeah, as I mentioned already, only 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't sit well with the critics. Shall mm. we find out why? Sure. As we go through A Man on Fire. So we get some text at the start. One kidnapping every 60 minutes in Latin America. Fine. 
Okay, the movie's going to be about kidnapping. We're watching a kidnapping on the screen. 70% of the victims do not survive. I, I, I'm sure it's a, it's, a, it's a true statistic. It seems highly irrelevant to this movie uh, at any point. Both in this first kidnapping we see, the guy survives, and then by the end of the movie, little Peter survives. So I don't know if it's meant to make you think, oh, they might not survive? I mean, the, yeah, the it's, it's adding jeopardy, isn't it? <laughs> All right, it's, it's mean... adding jeopardy. And the victims uh, might survive, but no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, within, uh, I'm going to say, probably about 0.0001 second, you realise you're watching a Tony Scott movie mm. uh, because that camera is on the move and it is not settling on one different film stock. You've got everything going on in there. And we watch this kidnapping take place. We catch glimpses of the men who are going to become our villains, including Daniel, the voice, Sanchez. So a lot of reviewers talked about how no one really picked up on this. But this guy, Daniel, the voice, Sanchez, is actually based on a real kidnapper called uh, Arismendi Lopez. So from 1996 until 1998, he was responsible for at least 18 kidnappings in Mexico. Uh, he got the nickname... I'm not going to do this justice. El Mocharajas, uh, which means the ear chopper. Oh. So what did he do? He removed ears. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. He chopped them specifically. That was his chosen <laughs> method of removal. And so sure enough, right at the start here, leaning into this, Tony Scott did all the research about this. We see an ear being removed. So... The kidnappee does survive, making him 30 in the 30% uh, of that statistic earlier. So we're understanding that, fucking hell, it's dangerous. That's pretty much what that start is. It's a good start. So let's meet Creasy. Here's a man with demons. How do we know this? Because drinking from a hip flask in the daytime is shorthand for demons in cinema. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. It's hot. He's got a hip flask. He's got demons. <laughs> uh, so he's off to meet uh, his old colleague, Rayburn, who, by his own admission, lives like a king in Mexico. What's this party? Just, they're, they're at. Well, I just, I, I'd love to have any suggestion. I thought it was a child's birthday party. I, I don't think it is. It's just all the families in the neighbourhood getting together for a pool party just to relax. Is it? Yeah. All right. Cause it's fun. Look at look at how I now live. You know, I got out. I met a girl. This is what I do now. Yeah. Are there beautiful women there? Well, yeah. But Ray Tony Scott really likes. Why scenes. do you always ask that? Every time we say we're going out, that is the first thing you say. He really likes scenes with beautiful women, and there's a few deleted scenes. It was half an hour's worth, which I watched, and there's it's quite, at this party. There's quite no. There's there's other party scenes, and he's doing commentary over the deleted scenes. He's like, oh, that's Miss Venezuela in the background. That's Miss Peru. Oh, okay. I think that's why he puts together parties on his sets. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. So it's a it's a party. Um, I guess my problem is at the very end where he sort of goes. So why have you come here? Why have you come here? And Creasy's like, you know, I just did it on impulse. And Rayburn goes, hey, we could do with some impulse round here. And looks over at two girls in swimwear who I thought were meant to be children. And then he looks back at Creasy and winks. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening here. It's just a really creepy moment. The girls that they have picked for that moment where it's like, yeah, things are good down here, are way too young for right. that joke to work. Mm. It's really upsetting. <laughs> uh, so anyway, 
Let's meet Samuel Ramos, played by Mark Antony. Uh, he's uh, meeting with his lawyer, Jordan Kalfas, uh, a man who, uh, played by a man who I wish was in this more, Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. he is. Most of the deleted scenes are Mickey Rourke scenes. Are they good? That all got cut. Um, yeah, I mean, it's him doing Mickey Rourke, isn't it? This yeah, is he's top... on his third face as well in that movie, and that's one of my favourite periods for Mickey Rourke. <laughs> yeah. This is just before the end of his face. <laughs> this is just before his face passed away. <laughs> Third face lucky. His <laughs> um, third face lucky. And he, I think he's looking good here. Oh, he's great in it. I love him. Mm. Uh, but we sort of get this sort of drip-fed little bits of information here. Samuel's in financial trouble. He needs a cheap bodyguard who he's able to then hire and then fire just so he can ensure against his daughter's kidnapping. All very suspicious. Yes. He isn't, is he? He's hiring a bad bodyguard so that his daughter will definitely get kidnapped successfully. OK, right, yeah, that makes sense. But then why would you... No, I think he's doing it so that they can't get the insurance money for the, the millionaire's children unless there's a bodyguard involved. Sure. The insurance company... But he doesn't want a good that. bodyguard. No. Otherwise, so he's hiring a drunk bodyguard. So, he, so he's got... So, Mark Antony's got something he can bring up to get canning, can him easily. So, like, I saw you with the hip flask by the pool... You canned. Right. As opposed to having to dig around into some guy who's got, you know, an incredible track record and wouldn't get fired early. Okay. I thought he surely, was... Like... Surely it would be enough, because Kalfas, like, Jordan Kalfas actually says to me, he goes, and then, you know, once, once you know, you've got the insurance, you can just, like, uh, fire him for, like, you know, you know, dereliction of duty or something. He mm. says something. Yeah. Surely you can just fire someone going... You, they were kidnapped, so that's enough. You don't need to find yeah. sort of another reason. You, you had one job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's good, though, because you sort of think that Creasy is going to be all like, you know, at least play the game. And that interview in the car where he's like, "Any anything I should know? And he's like, I drink. Mm. And it's like, no messing. It's really up front. Yeah, and he's saying, but I can still do my job. Now, we can't even prepare for a podcast when we're pissed. Yeah. No, it's very um, I'm not going to ask Dave because he's professional, but Alex, you were young once um, and doing a breakfast show. Were you ever tipsy on the radio? Yep. Did you ever do it? And how did that go? It's fine while you're doing it. Uh, and then sort of the, the, about the three hours afterwards, as you sobering up, you get the, the fear <laughs> more, more than anything yeah. else because you're like, it sort of felt good at the time, but... Was I slurring? What did I say? <laughs> and then you just spend the rest of the day sort of like really scared until you start drinking again. I was going to say, do you, do you go straight to the Garrick Arms across the road? That was on a Friday and okay. that's allowed. But do you go straight to the pub to debrief and then start thinking, oh. Yeah, and just as the fear creeps in, you, your alarm goes off and you've got to go and do another <laughs> one again. That's the, that's the problem with so breakfast there, there radio. Were, there were some radio, breakfast radio DJs who do, like, that was their whole lifestyle, though. So they do, they do sure. the show in the morning and then they go to the pub and then they but they end up going to bed. Like, they'd spend the afternoon in the pub and then go to bed yeah. about like, 9 o'clock. Well, as you know, over. I lived that life for, for years. You did. As soon as I heard the theme tune to the one show come on, I just go up to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it was an e-jerk reaction. 7pm, right, I'm off to bed. It, 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 it was so common, in fact, that it was just a reflex thing. You could play the theme to the one show any time of day and Dave would pass out. And just it was like an narcolepsy, but for Alex Jones. <laughs> Let's try it. One. <laughs> so uh, we meet uh, the wife of uh, Samuel, Lisa Ramos, uh, who in the first meeting, uh, and, and she, uh, Creasy's been told by um, Samuel, she's, he's like, probably don't mention the drinking to my wife. I'd say... 
I'm on an insurance scam thing. <laughs> but that would have ruined. The, that would have been pretty great. And then just to gain credits. <laughs> I just think it's an insane thing. I don't think Samuel should have to say. And also, probably don't just not only not mention the fact that you like a drink. When she offers you a drink, don't be that drink whiskey. Don't make. The yeah, don't have a Jack Daniels. Yeah. It's forty-five degrees outside. Would you like a drink, Jack? Jack Daniels <laughs> now, please. I mean, please, Jack Daniels. But he's a man. Maverick, he doesn't play by the no, but, rules. But I think the, the point of the drink, uh, there's, the fact that he says I drink and he's doing this openly is he doesn't really want the job. He's yeah. not in the right frame of mind. He doesn't actually want to live. He's got you know serious kind of uh, addiction issues, mental health issues. And I think what we're getting here is it's not someone who's trying to get back on the right path. It's someone who just felt a, a moment of desperation to go to uh, you know one of his friends go there and a job comes his way and it's kind of like, oh, I don't really need this. And he knows he's capable and he's seen so much and he's done so much. It's like, why would I need to prove myself to you? And I think that, I actually think it's quite a nice part of the kind of character arc that we go on with Denzel is, mm. that, is that beginning. And it makes all of the stuff that we get from Dakota Fanning and he together even more special, as we'll mm. kind of talk about shortly. I 100% agree. Denzel does this character very, very well. Like, you you really feel his pain. Like, it doesn't feel like, it, like you know, disingenuous in any way. I'm totally convinced. It's weird, because, you know, you'd think he'd won a few Oscars. Oh, he has. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Uh, and then, so he has the drink. I still think Lisa sort of giving him that, like, I know he's in America, which seems to be the only uh, criteria. Yeah, like, that's true. You, there you, is that. You've yeah. taken the bottle from the side, uh, Creasy, but <laughs> you're an American, so, you know. Yeah, you spat the cork out. <laughs> my, my xenophobia is so rich, it runs so deep that the, <laughs> the fact you're drinking, you're still drinking as I'm talking. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mexico City, love you! <laughs> Just at the end there. It's not enough. It's not enough, Tony. Uh, so she hires him. Um, she hires a, a man who loves a whiskey in the middle of the day to look after her precious daughter. Um, <laughs> and a big part of that as well is driving. So it's not only the protection of but it's also like your main job is to drive her to a, to a, a, a Catholic school or, or whatever school it is. Yeah. And the only time that she's ever in the car with him, he nearly crashes. <laughs> she's like, she's so forgiving. She's like, uh, probably take a while to get used to the traffic. <laughs> oh, also, maybe stop. Are you drinking today? <laughs> maybe that's got something to do with it. One of the major subplots cut from this film, which is on the deleted scenes, is the fact that she fancies Creasy and they end up having an affair. Oh, in the in the in that they shot it all. You oh, can, wow. you can, I've you can see it. it. You can see you. I you, you haven't can, seen that, yes, and I didn't can, know that. You? But they've not done enough with the <laughs> yes. deleted scenes to take out. There's enough moments where they're looking at each other, and they're you both can tell. good enough actors yep. for you to know that the scene they're entering into is one where they are post-coital. <laughs> that, that it has happened, and you can't. You can't. Obviously, they didn't take the time to reshoot that. Yeah, this, th there's a whole sequence. There's a whole sequence where she, there, he takes her to the hairdressers, and then there's a kidnapping on the street attempted and he saves her life uh, by lying on top of her and on, on the commentary Scott says she can feel something while he's lying on top of her and they end up shagging in the car straight after Right. and then um, the question is whether the husband knows or doesn't it's sort of ambiguous but um, yeah he excised all that so yeah what's going on here as well might be she's, she fancies him from the off it puts a whole different fucking spin on 
if uh, <laughs> if you don't kill him, I, I will. As in, execute my husband. Yeah. And also, if you get rid of him, then... Uh... I agree. And, and Scott was saying the main reason, it felt like a betrayal of Peter, actually, that, mm. that Mummy had sex with Creasy. And it, I, I don't think it works with the kind of... What, what we want is a purity from Denzel. You know, as I yes. say, the development of his character and the person that we kind of all fall in love with here. And, uh, you know... And, you know, to to do the things he does, you know, it takes an actor of, of the skill of Denzel Washington to watch him kind of torture the victims, mm. uh, the guilty, mm. uh, in the way he does and kind of be on his side. Be and that, you yeah. need that because you need to believe in the love affair that he has with Peter. Mm-hmm. Again, now, are you, are you getting this script right? As hearing that, that her name said out on this podcast, doesn't it make it sound ridiculous? <laughs> Denzel Washington's love of Peter is the only reason he'd go and cut another man's fingers off, right? Um, but but also to, to think that, that there's an, an extramarital affair sure. going on as well, I don't think does it any justice. And I think they were right to take those scenes out. But unfortunately, you can just feel the can sexual energy can on them it. when you watch the movie, right? Yeah, and I think it's fair to say the film is long enough. It would have been three hours if we'd had these extra scenes, so... Well, after this short break, we are going to meet uh, little Lou Peter, or Peter, played by Dakota Fanning. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, then. So we're back. Uh, Lupita, or Peter, thinks uh, Denzel Creasy. She calls him a big, sad bear. 
Mm. That's how I think of you sometimes, Al. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take that. Uh, so she's uh, amazing in this. I think this might have been one of the first times I sat up and took note of Dakota Fanning. Mm. I can't re- remember seeing her in anything else before. It was I- like the, it this. was like that Haley Joel Osment moment, it wasn't was. it? Where you're like, oh Christ, this is a this is a grown up mm. in the body of a child. Yeah. How, how is this possible? So I was uh, interviewing Denzel Washington in New York and uh, we got onto the subject of uh, Man on Fire. Actually, this little clip, this is about him talking about uh, working with Dakota. But uh, just to give it some context, uh, we had been talking about him starring alongside Gene Hackman in Crimson Tide, uh, someone who he compares Dakota Fanning to. Wow. Bring your A game. This is Gene Hackman. I remember I was in a scene with him. Oh, it's interesting. These two movies were uh, movies I remember where I was in a scene and I was watching the other actor. In 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 Man on Fire, it was Dakota Fan. I said, "This is she's got to be a grown person who's just small. <laughs> she can't be a child." <laughs> yep, that's uh, Denzel. He's he just copying what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, he, he's absolutely uh, right. Like he calls her as well. I watched another interview where he says she has an old soul. Mm. Uh, he said she's not a child actor. She's an actor who happens to be a child. Yeah. Deep. So, can she changing though? Because Creasy has lost his belief in everything. He sits drinking his Jack Daniels, trying to catch a bullet. He takes her to school, but he's annoyed at her constant talking. Apparently, um, this early scene where we see them in the car, uh, Denzel was sort of doing his thing, sort of method, like sort of getting into character and, you know, talking to himself, running his lines with himself. And Tony Scott was watching while he was setting all the shot up and then Dakota was just sitting there quietly and he thought, I better better say something just to explain this uh, to her. So after they'd done one take, he took uh, Dakota to one side and was like, look... Denzel is just there doing what Denzel does. That's him preparing for the scene there, just running his lines, getting into character. And she went, oh, don't worry about it. I've worked with Sean Penn. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. (sighs) So, uh, at the school, Creasy speaks to Sister Hannah, who quotes the Bible to him. Romans 12, 21, Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what does he say? I'm the sheep that got lost, which is pretty much the plot of the movie. Rather than overcome evil with good, he overcomes evil with evil. It's good. So he really is the sheep that got lost because in a bit that I'd totally forgotten, he actually does try and kill himself and the Mm. bullet doesn't go off. I'd forgotten he actually got that far into it. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the spiral that he's on, and that's why it's so incredible, you know, all of the plaudits we're hearing about Dakota Fanning as, as an actor. She is absolutely incredible in it. And what I love and, um, you know, why she is one of the most valuable things to the entire movie is that you get this sense that Creasy has probably had some of the world's toughest people try and break him down behind enemy lines and extract all kinds of secrets and so on and so forth. And you get the sense, particularly like the burn marks on his hands Mm. and the scars, that he would never give away any information because he's Creasy, he's like number one, he's a badass. But I just love the way she goes about breaking him down. She finds Mm. out about him, she discovers who he is. Mm. And it's because you go from that moment where he is trying to take his own life Mm. to, to, to what we end up with is is I think, you know, Denzel's incredible in it and that scene is really powerful, but what's to come is what makes it such a fantastic movie is just how you see him change thanks to her. Yeah. Because he's at the real, he's at the lowest you can possibly be and then he's got an absolute reason to live. Yeah, it's sort of weird. I think it needs to be one or the other, if I'm totally honest. It should be, 
her who like transforms him like he sort of falls in love with this little kid but then he sort of seems to take the is it the bullet or is it her because it's the fact that this bullet hasn't gone off and he rings Rayburn and goes have you ever had this happen to you and Rayburn's like never I've never had that happen and so it sort of almost says like the bullet makes the decision for him and he's like okay well the bullet did the hard work so I'll be friends with this kid oh okay I didn't didn't pick up on that okay yeah it's sort of pick one Pick one, like either the, the sort of fate has decided this for him or little Peter has decided this for him. I think you, it's, they sort of, it's how are they linked? Anyway, it doesn't matter because he bloody loves her now because uh, he's alive. She's the angel who's entered his life, is what Denzel says, and gives him a reason to live. And so the movie, like you said, does become this love story between mm. Creasy and Peter. Uh, we get them talking to each other from open windows across the picturesque courtyard. The twirl... She does after speaking to him at the window as she lands on her bed. It's like a proper romantic comedy. It's beautiful. I love the, this relationship that they've got. I had forgotten how much fucking swimming is in this movie. It's uh, it does a lot of swimming. <laughs> I genuinely, because at 12 minutes, he gets hired as her bodyguard. And in my head, I'm like, brilliant. So the plot point one is going to come at 25 minutes and she's going to get kidnapped at 25 you, minutes. You love a sports movie. <laughs> I love a sports movie. Okay, maybe An hour an hour of swimming. It's not an hour of swimming. There's not an hour of swimming in Man on Fire. There's a, there's a little bit of training. Mm. Then there's the swim, Bang! swimming event. Bang! There's the smashing of the little brick things together, which, as we know, means that, you know, when she hears the gunshot later on, she knows to mm, run. To that's going. clever, isn't it? Very that's nice. A good it's bit worth, a, it's worth that. I, listen, I, I honestly don't mind. I was a little bit surprised that it doesn't come until... It's not an hour. It's about, sort of, it's about 45 minutes. There is quite a lot of swimming. It's about 50 minutes when she gets kidnapped. So up until then, there's a lot of swimming. And so um, I I think the reason I don't mind it is because the whole process of them getting to know each other, you can just feel the tension being ratcheted up. It's almost like every nice thing that they have just means that when she goes, "Mm, you're going to want that revenge so much more. The bit where they're they're at one of Christopher Walken's weird parties, (laughs) right, where she presents him with the bear... That's got oh, the necklace yeah. of St. Jude in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and what and it's interesting what, what Denzel said about her not being a child actor, she's an actor who's a child. The way in which she does that, it, it's it's actually boring a little bit on creepy, just how much of an adult she seems in mm. that. It's almost because all the adults are talking, they're kissing, they're kind of like, This is my Chris Walker's like, I found my gal, and mm. Denzel's like joking, Can I kiss her? and blah mm. blah. And it's all of this, and then she makes this kind of effectively a proposal. Mm. It's a double date they're on. Yeah. It's, it walks yeah, a fine <laughs> it walks a fine line, and we had talked about doing this film with Leon, and in that respect it might have paired quite well in yep. these what? That's true. But what? no, but what you but the, the point is is that there are these really beautiful, lovely moments. Mm. And I think that, you know, it's it's like she's his child. She's like, you know, if, mm. if my daughter was to present me, if I got over she presented me with a teddy bear with a little necklace in it, I'd be overjoyed. I'd be also thinking, like, who are all these bikini-clad <laughs> Venezuelan supermodels in the back garden? What's your mum been doing? But I would be, like, overjoyed by that. And I'd want her to call her teddy bear after me and, you know, all those things. Yeah, and the scene where she goes, Creasy, you're smiling. That whole smiling scene around the kitchen table, which is 90% improvised, according to Tony Scott oh, and Denzel wow. Washington. Yeah, I, apparently... I wrote that down as a note. I think it's a wonderful scene. It's, mm. such, it's such a beautiful scene. And Denzel says of uh, improvising with Dakota, you hit the ball over the net and she'll hit it back with topspin. Mm. I tell you what she can't do, though, is con- control the growth of her teeth. 
her teeth her teeth change yeah. from scene to scene. So she's got five teeth here. She's got a full set of teeth here. It's quite funny. They, they did actually discuss whether they were going to go really? with fake teeth for the movie. <laughs> oh, and they were like, no, oh. we, we can't do that to her. So, yeah. Yeah, we do have serious continuity issues with her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you if you weren't convinced that the <laughs> is that the pull out line for the show? I, mean, was, I know I just got together with these two grown men and they just had a pop at some little girl's dental issues. We're not we're no they're not issues they're just growing. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. But I suppose over the course uh, her age over the course yeah, of the year yeah. that it took to shoot exactly it's, it's quite yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, because she looks like soft from the Goonies in the first scene and by the end. <laughs> so uh, if you weren't convinced that the Creasy and Peter relationship was pretty pretty father and daughter uh we have sister hannah go today you are her father yeah we got it with me we got it sister yeah hannah. it's like right we're, we're, we're sold on they that. do that they do that in john wick where the waitress says oh you're so i've never seen you this vulnerable yeah we got it <laughs> he's fucking vulnerable you spent half an hour setting that up <laughs> uh, so peter doesn't want to play piano she wants to swim but samuel her dad says no she has to go to the piano audition i never picked this up because why would why you the first so time around Amazing, isn't it? Mm. Two things in this scene. First of all, you look at how attentive Creasy's been and her dad's busy playing virtual golf when she's like, I want to talk to you, I want to do swimming. And he's like, no, you have to play piano. Mm. And it's the piano lesson that's going to get her kidnapped. He already yeah. knows. You and might... the burping nearly got her out of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and boom, the kidnaps, uh, it happens. All swirling cameras and slow-mo and Creasy gets shot to pieces and hospitalised. I mean, it's pure Tony Scott. This whole kidnapping thing—it's great. It's, it's a—it's a lot of edits. It's well, very, al yeah. almost too many. No, you see, no. it's a question that we always ask: Is is when is, is it Tony, too much? With Tony Scott, <laughs> when is too many edits? Too many edits. Um, yeah, this is the one where he, he, he was influenced by City of God. Do you ever see City of God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloody masterpiece, and you can see the influence here. But I, yeah, I feel like this scene—it it gives me a bit of headache. Mm. It's a whiplash. It's a lot. Ooh. And if that wasn't going to give you a headache, uh, we've spent uh, the best part of an hour now with just Creasy and Peter largely. And now we are going to get a deposit of a shit ton of characters, possibly too many characters. But I'll reserve judgment. Uh, so we meet at the press conference where they're calling Creasy a cop killer. We meet uh, reporter Mariana Guerrero, played by Rachel Dakota. And we meet Agent Manzano, the director of the Agency for Federal Investigation, uh, played by the brilliant Giancarlo Giannini. He's so good, isn't he? Yeah, it? I mean, I feel like that's a hangover from the Italian script. He is a Mexican in it, though, I'm pretty sure. Is he playing a Mexican? I can only believe... I don't... I mean, I think we're basically there's one line maybe then where it's sort of like, no, he's an Italian, but he now runs the Mexican yeah, okay. agency because he was head of Interpol. They do sort of mention that and it's ne there's no need to go. He was like, and also I was head of Interpol, Europe, Italy. Good. Fair enough. We're here. <laughs> so this it. whole thing makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, so we meet him uh, and he exits the scene uh, grabbing uh, Mariana's bottom. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's naughty, but we do find out they're in a re they've had a sexual relationship after, don't we? We do. So... Uh, and Tony Scott says, uh, Giancarlo loves women, as did this character. Mm-hmm. So... That's... As, does, as did Tony. Yeah. Uh, I do love uh, Giannini's face. He's... Because uh, he was Mathis, wasn't he, in um, Casino Royale? Mm -hmm. And he's the cop at the start of... Hannibal. Hannibal yeah. is great in Hannibal. Yeah. He basically plays shifty police yeah. officers. Yeah. Uh, that is his thing. 
So he's great. And while that's all going on, we've got the anti-kidnapping division, another different agency. They step in to negotiate the ransom mm. demands with The Voice. Lots of suspicious people here. Yeah, I mean, he's Fuentes, isn't he? Yes, and and watching it this Fuentes. time, because I couldn't, it's been 20 years, I couldn't remember who was, who was in it and who wasn't. He immediately it's singles it. himself out because yeah. he hugs the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before doing anything. It's just a very strange... He's like, well, he's he's clearly in on it, and yeah. maybe Dad is as well. He's really laid back as well. He's really like, don't worry, mm. I got this, all of that. It's only Lisa who was sure wants to get her daughter back. So the drop goes wrong. The Voice's men are killed. The ransom stolen. So the Voice calls up and says he's killed Peter and we get that brilliant scene where Lisa slaps Fuentes and gets says, get out of my house. She slaps everyone. She, yeah. <laughs> she goes, she gets very slappy happy. She's Ooh. always walking around, slapping this way, slapping that way. And Creasy finds out they've killed Peter. And he's like, to Rayburn, I need weapons. And Rayburn, like, it's like, you're talking about war, Creasy. And as the viewer, you're like, yes, he mm. is. <laughs> now, please. She brought him back to life and now he becomes death. Mm. Um, but the, see, that this is the other thing which I love about this movie is that the bag of weapons betrays what we're about to enjoy mm. and doesn't give us a clue as to the kind of person that Creasy is. Yeah. Because you think you've got, You've got the classic Schwarzenegger loading it, up with the commando. army bag. It's commando. Exactly. It's that commando moment. Yeah. Exactly right. And you think you've got all of that going on. Um, but actually what you've got is one of the the most twisted individuals mm. on planet Earth. You have got a man on fire and it's not just, I know he uses a bazooka. There's that lovely bit in it where the old couple, because he's got the per <laughs> perfect vantage point from their window. Yep. And they say, the church says, ask for forgiveness. And he says, forgiveness is between them and God. I'm here to arrange the meeting. <laughs> Which is a lovely line. Um, but, but what I mean is the, the, the bit where your arms, his arm to the teeth, it, the best scenes to come don't really involve any of those things no. that he picks up. They don't involve the handguns no. and the bazookas. It's, it's more improvisational, some of the, uh, the props yeah. he uses. It's unnecessarily sick. Like, yes. you could dispose of these people, mm. find out the information with a gun to the head, but, but this is a man on fire. Does, it, does, this, <laughs> does this car have a lighter? Hmm, what can I do? <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could I was fascinated be... by, sorry, Al, very quickly, I was fascinated by which radio station they're listening to. <laughs> Me too, I've got that written down. Mess and Dorma. And, and Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you'll blow my mind. I wrote that down. If I attempted to do that as a couplet in the mornings, I would be fired on the spot. It's, it's just, they go, Dave, it's very wildly all over the place. People don't know what you're doing. Pick not a even, lane, you're, you're not even playing normal, hey, Mickey, you're playing Mexican, hey, Mickey. Me, Mexican, hey, uh, coming up here on the Absolute Radio Breakfast Show. We've got Mexican, hey, Mickey, you're so fine, followed by Pavarotti, Ness and Dorma. Don't, don't touch that dial. It's your Tuesday morning. I always think it's dangerous using Ness and Dorma as well because you just see Gaza, don't you? Yeah. You just see Gaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, even, even I know yeah. that. Even me. Yeah. Alex just enjoyed a football joke there. Chris, well done. Oh, I feel he's, like one of the gang. He's becoming one of them. Uh, yeah, we get, I mean, I love that line, you know, it's my job to arrange the meeting. The bit, the conversation that he has with Lisa as well, and she's like, what are you going to do? What I do best, I'm going to kill them all. And Lisa's like, you kill them all, Creasy. Brilliant. It's it's kind but of... first drop me at the hairdressers as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not as good, but it's up there with uh, Tombstones. You tell them I'm coming. And hell's coming with me. <laughs> nice. It's that, it's that, it's that ballpark. <laughs> so it's now time for our hour-long climax of revenge. Um, 
It's good, because whereas John Wick, as we said at the start, it's very lean. Here, there's still some mystery, because we don't know who robbed the money. Uh, so, you know, there is there are a couple of nice twists that are going to come our way. Uh, mm. First, though, you just mentioned it, Guy Goes Over the Cliff, uh, while the song from Italian 90 plays. That's where, that's where he says the line, revenge is a meal best served cold. I don't think he understands that proverb. That means you give it a bit of time. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's given it about a day. <laughs> you know, that's a, it's in The Godfather. It's in Star Trek 2. In both of those films, there's time before you serve the dish of revenge. <laughs> You mean like a salad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're cutting fingers off just 12 hours off your yeah. news. Yeah. Uh, uh, so revenge number two then. Creasy's in disguise as a gangbanger and heads to a rave where he kills the guardians who picked her up. So this is all quite authentic. Tony Scott did a lot of research into uh, this is how the kidnappings were working at the right. time. Different cells that had different responsibilities that never met each other. So the voice gave them instructions and the guardians went and picked up the girl, held her and then released her. Mm -hmm. So the two the different cells didn't actually they ever meet each other. Am I right in thinking he kills a lot of innocent people in this scene? No, it's... No, I don't he think he does. He blows up the club with he people does, inside? They, no, he no. Make, they make sure you see that all the revellers are on the outside. Okay. And in fact, they even add, and they maybe have done it in post, everyone goes, yeah! It's the weirdest thing. Like it's like my coat's right. sitting in the cloakroom, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. That's ecstasy for you. This <laughs> <laughs> is amazing. Uh, interesting that the guy he kills upstairs is a, a guy from New Jersey. Uh, mm. who's credited as New Jersey boy uh, in the credits. I guess, they, I guess they are trying to make sure not every single I think so. uh, guilty person is Mexican. Mm. Uh, we're given a glimmer that Peter might still be alive, but... No, it's a, a different girl. Uh, but Creasy does but that's say... That's a great girl. scene. I, like, I, like, I liked that little bump in, in the kind of story. It was yeah. good. Yeah, uh, we get a bit more Ray, but now this scene, uh, it, it sort of doesn't... It really doesn't need to be there. But it comes too late. At this point. Yeah, because it's Creasy's art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. Oh, yeah. But we've watched him doing it, though, already. This is the Troutman from Rambo moment mm. that has to happen before the killing starts to get us excited. Yeah. Just yeah. give us a hint at what we're about to see. But we're well into it by this point, so I don't need that information. But Manzano, the uh, Italian head of the Mexican AFI, is uh, brilliant because he's standing in his place of work, smoking, drinking a Corona. He's having a like, bottle of beer, isn't he? I'm like, <laughs> you have the best best job it's like he just sort of goes i get to have sex with my informants mm. and I, I drink and smoke at work mm. uh, you know next thing one of christopher walken's parties and i'll be made up so um like you say <laughs> creases out his death and he's about to paint his masterpiece that's good uh, and sure enough we get the bazooka scene it's good. He captures Victor Fuentes, uh, the one that stole the ransom money, and puts a butt bomb in him. Do you like the scene? Mm. Yeah. I, well, I've <laughs> I'm going to go big on this scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I, what I love about this scene is, and I, th there's a comedy in bum bomb. I wrote down bum bomb, mm. bum bomb. You know, but what having watched the the movie twice, uh, almost back to back. In preparation for this, good work. Uh, and I know, and I, because I, and also I loved it. And also I did, I did what I believe in the industry is called a zane. And the first time I watched it, I opened a bottle of red wine and can't remember what happened about halfway through till the end. I love you know he does drink and watch movies as well. This isn't just my I, thing. I, I know he does. I know he does. Um, okay, okay, kids. <laughs> now both you sound like both, such a baby. Then give me both a necklace within a bear, and I'll love you both forever. <laughs> 
Um, no, what, what, I'm watching this scene again because obviously you go, oh, wow, bum bomb, and you're like, oh, this is great. But when you watch it back, the subtlety and, and the fact that, that, you know, Creasy is a psychopath, right, mm -hmm. is that it, the scene starts with him walking towards the camera and he's toying with the latex gloves and you're thinking, why has he yeah, got latex yeah, yeah. gloves on? Then he gets the baby wipes out and he starts to kind of clean his hands. Mm. Then you see that the, the bad guy, who's his, what's his name again Victor now? Fuentes. Fuentes has been cable tied, but strangely, uh, like chest down mm. to, the, to the bonnet of the car. And you're almost being given the clues after mm -hmm. the finger thing that something sick here is happening right mm -hmm. now and you you almost get to bum bomb before you're introduced <laughs> to the concept of the bum bomb but i love the fact that the whole thing's set off by by a page he pages him i just mm -hmm. what a what a humiliating way to go in even in the year 2004 i know that was like 15 years ago but come on he gives him some dignity though cuz clearly to insert the butt bomb he's had to pull down fuentes's uh, boxer shorts but mm. when we come to him he's pulled them back up again. Yeah. He's <laughs> and, like... and he's done it when he was passed out because yeah. Fuentes doesn't know what's happened. I tell you what makes him even more of a psychopath is he's, when he's gone into the shop to buy the charger. He bought two so that he could show one to Fuentes <laughs> while one's up his butt. <laughs> That's preparation. Uh, that is preparation. Uh, it's a very cool scene. And obviously we get him walking away, uh, Slama walking away from an explosion. It's a beautiful thing. Here's Denzel uh, talking to me about this scene. Me. Right, what about you? We've got 40 seconds. Come on. 45. Uh, last wish, please, please, please. Last wish. I wish you had more time. That's an ad lib. Yeah? Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey. Oh, boy. Now, this was an interesting day. This shot coming up right there. See this shot right here? And then this close up. The heat. I, I had to be cool, you know, man on fire, greasy. I gotta, but I heard this boom. I'm like, don't blink, just be cool. <laughs> then you start feeling this heat. It's like, man, it's getting hot. I wonder how close, because all the cameras are like, where the camera, so there are all the cameras are looking. I'm like, it's, I hope somebody tells me if I'm about to burn up. Because <laughs> it just blew up right by, right by me. Well, you know what it was too? Because we were under the highways, so it couldn't go up. The heat. <laughs> And then went out yeah, yeah. toward me. <laughs> so uh, he was nearly a man on fire. He really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a way to go! A bum bomb accident on set here, <laughs> Denzel Washington. Uh, what a way to go! And as well, wearing a moss green uh, suit as well. I, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the style that well from this year. But the baggy clothes he wears, some of the trousers. I'm surprised he can walk in them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right, where are we then? Uh, so he, we've had the butt bomb. That's exploded. Uh, it's time for the big twist. It turns out Peter's dad, Samuel, was behind the kidnapping. He planned to steal the ransom insurance money because his business was going under. Uh, it's, it's that great scene where he admits in front of Lisa what he's done and Ooh. she says to Creasy, you kill him, you kill him or I will. That's mad. I'm sure it's mad that she says that. Mm. It's like it's the most insane thing that she is basically going, execute my husband for me in the house. I'll leave the room. I'm not going to be around for it. I don't want to get any blood on me, but uh, but do kill him. Also, as well with that scene, um, I think given what we know now uh, via Chris and the deleted scenes, and mm -hmm. they are a couple and there is a history there, mm. um, that Creasy doesn't get rid of the body. He literally shoots her husband on, you know, his father's big shrine 
next to these golf simulator. Well, he, he shoots himself. He gives him the bullet. Yeah, he, basically, he shoots himself. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he doesn't go back. I, I, yeah, I know, but he doesn't go back and, you know, he says this didn't work for me, it worked for you, and, uh, yeah. Which raises the question, because... She uh, then disposed of the body. Well, and also, she's not clear, because she's... He doesn't le- need to suspect... He's, he's committed suicide. He's committed suicide, yeah, because basically the bullet that Creasy survived earlier... Oh, I hadn't he's thought like, about that. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. He's basically said to him, look, a, a bullet always tells the truth... This one told me my truth, which was I should live. And yeah. so now it's it's your turn. So, you know, try this bullet out for size and bang, it goes off. Oh, and then you hear it. He's walking away again. But the problem is that you don't, like, she doesn't know that Creasy's done all that. She's left. So as far as she's concerned, Creasy shot her husband. Like, she, she wasn't, there's no way of her. So Le- there's Lisa a middle ground it. between what we're saying here where he could have just told her, just said, just to let you know. Yeah, what mm. I did. Gave him a gamble. Send her a page. <laughs> he loves them. Um, but uh, in between this, um, Jordan, Mickey Rourke's character, is dead in the pool. Oh, yeah. He got beheaded. Yeah. Do you know who did that? Uh, Samuel. Yeah. Yeah. They, they shot that scene. I've seen that scene. Where he actually beheads yeah, he, him. He's in, he's in Mickey Rourke's house uh, with his back to him and he's holding a, a fucking massive sword. And he turns around and oh, wow. takes him out with the sword. Which almost it just cuts to that in the movie, doesn't it? It does, cuts, cuts yeah. to him dead in the, in the pool. And so it kind of makes um, him a little bit more heroic, Samuel, for yeah. going in. Because, because he wasn't expecting Peter to die. He thought and she it, was going to be sitting in a room yes. eating ice cream. And yeah. he says that to Lisa. Yeah. He goes, yeah. look, like, granted, he had his daughter kidnapped and he could not have foreseen if something went wrong. So he has fucking done wrong. But he didn't think this was going to happen. Like, he thought she was going to be safe. He's exacted revenge on the guy who mm-hmm. double-crossed him or at least misinformed him about how it was going to go. And clearly none of that matters to her. She's like, Creasy, kill him. Mm. Like, there is no way, no way back for him. Which is fine until it turns out Peter's alive, at which point she's going to be like, shit, yeah. that was her dad. And I just fucking... I had him murdered. He was a bad actor, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking the fourth wall, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm mixing up reality and fantasy again. Uh, we get a weird bit. It all gets a bit too convoluted now. It and does Mar- a little bit, doesn't Marianne it? Marianne has threatened not to publish the identity of the voice, but she does it anyway. Mm, when she gets to that, ha- he gets to the house, and it's the voice's brother and the. It's like it just all gets a little bit convoluted. It's messy, but the, the bottom line is, it's, he's made. He's it's about family. He's, he says, "I'm going to take your family apart piece by piece, mm-hmm. piece by fucking piece." And uh, and so obviously he's got collateral uh, now. So Creasy says to the voice, uh, "You know, I've got your brother here," and the voice is like. Oh, this is what I don't understand. So Creasy says, I've got your brother here. And the voice is like, all right, let's let's do a deal now. I'm ready to do a deal. Peter's a life. I'll give you her life. And you're like, right. It should be hmm. for my brother's life. Exactly. Not for your life. No. And Creasy goes, yeah, all right. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you've got, <laughs> some, you've got some bargaining chips here. <laughs> you've yeah, got you some power. Yeah. Uh, no, how about you give me Peter and I give you your fucking brother, you dickhead. I'm not going to give myself to you. I've got this guy here, your brother. It's insane. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think it's because Creasy at this point, I think he knows he's dying. He's already been shot at this point. So I think he knows, you know, it's possibly a life-ending wound. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. He can give the voice. And him. also, if he is, you know, if he's going to go, then what an honourable way in, in his frame of mind at the, at, the, at this 
point in the film to go mm. in, in exchange for the young life of this this girl that he's become a father figure to and loves dearly. Well, weirdly, uh, the book uh, that this is based on is hugely popular in Japan because they see Creasy, the character of Creasy, is very much like a ronin, a disgraced mm. samurai who is going about doing good deeds to make up for previous bad deeds. And so, oh. very popular. So, yeah... Uh, it's time now to reach our climax on a bridge. Um, Lisa comes down to meet Creasy. Creasy's like, don't wait for me. And sure enough, and it really hit me when she sees the blood trickling down his hand and like she knows he's going to die and he ain't coming back. I was like, oh my God, love this bit. There's also a bit in that as well, if you watch very carefully, where just a little nod to Denzel and what a fine actor he is, that when he's giving his big speech... And they're face to face, Peter and, and Creasy. Um, a, a fly actually lands pretty much on his eyeball, and he just carries on going. Wow! Yeah, like Raiders with the fly in the mouth oh, with yeah. Belloc. Yeah, and he cr it crawls back out of his mm. mouth. Yeah, yeah, it just lands on his eye, and it goes for a moment, and he, he just carries Denzel. on going. Classic Denzel. Yeah. Denzel probably asked that fly to come and do that. <laughs> yeah, part of his then process. He put, he put a tiny little explosive in his little bum. <laughs> You will do this scene with me, otherwise <laughs> I'm going to page you. And I'm going to page it's just no one ever talks about the flies in these things, do they? <laughs> you know, they do a lot. So Peter runs up the hill screaming, Creasy! And then he says he's going home, and she mm -hmm. says, I love you, Creasy. Oh, uh, but rather than say, I love you too, she, he does force her to go, and you love me, don't you? And he's like, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, just say I love you too. Yeah, <laughs> like, know, but anyway, nice it is this beautiful... And then Creasy goes and gets in the criminal's car where he dies before reaching the voice. And I had totally forgotten this ending. I genuinely was like, no, he goes out in a blaze of glory. I'm sure there's a big gunfight at the end. I'd forgotten that mm. he just sort of slowly bleeds out in the Pesky back of Pesky graphics car. again. Pesky graphics. <laughs> So that's it. That's your lot. We get a little uh, epilogue where it turns out it's uh, Manzano puts down his corona and, uh, and goes and kills Daniel, uh, the voice. And that's the end. Apart from thanking Mexico rather than apologising to them. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, and it doesn't even... If you are going to thank Mexico after just putting it as possibly one of the most terrifying places uh, that exists on planet Earth, sort of say... A beautiful and calming mm. and relaxing place. Don't just go a special place. Special can be misinterpreted. It's like, it's very special, if you know what I mean. It's a yeah, beautiful well, place full of beautiful Christopher Walken parties. <laughs> but I think they would have, I think that the, what he means is that they would have accepted the entire cast and crew and they would have closed roads and they would have made sure. it all. And, you know, the film has got to show a, a gritty underbelly. Mm. Of course it has. That's the world in which it exists. But what they possibly would have experienced, the message comes from the right place, whereas you're so right. What we experienced is like, what there? <laughs> I imagine that they were just there for the swimming scenes and they're like, this is wonderful. You're showing, you're showing Mexico and like we're competitive in the, in the swimming pool and this, this is great. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, this is a swimming movie, Mexico. Um, well, according to you, it practically is. Just wrong, 45 minutes of swimming. Do you need us, uh, do you need us to come down today to close any roads? You, you said you were doing a big action scene. Yeah, yeah we don't need you today. Uh, but, but the action scene is more swimming. Yeah. Uh, and then Mickey Rourke, you're going to get in the pool. What? No, it's just more swimming. It's... We, uh, we noticed a dummy without a head on there. You, there's no violence in this movie about sort of suggesting that Mexico's a, a, a violent place. No, that was a swimming accident. <laughs> he fell off a diving board. That's the real. That's the. It's a tragic scene we're shooting today. So yeah, it's. Uh, but it's really just about swimming. 
Mr. Mexico. <laughs> Good. Uh, let's do the bits. Uh, what is your best scene, Chris? Butt bomb. Is it really? Butt bomb. Okay. I've gone for bum bomb as well. Oh my um, god, so have I. <laughs> but what does that say about us? It's a very memorable scene. <laughs> it's it's the most memorable I, scene. I just as I picked through it, you know, when you notice the cable ties, you notice the face down, mm. you notice the latex gloves, the baby wipes, just the way it all comes together. The additional charger. Yeah, the additional <laughs> charger, which I loved. I'd miss that. <laughs> How unhinged, unnecessary it is. Um mm. it's it's a pivotal scene in us finding out just um mm. how twisted Denzel's character is. Okay, good. Uh, let's have uh, three votes for Bot Bomb. Uh, so, uh, your most valuable whatever. What is you know, I come here to be highbrow. This is, <laughs> that's why I come here every now and again, because you guys, you get to chat movies. I like being in the round with you. We talk it through. Bot Bomb, Bot Bomb. Uh, most valuable whatever, Dave. I've gone for Dakota Fanning. Um, I, I mean, we've touched on this countless times. I don't know really what I can add, but I think that, you know, Creasy gets to go on this incredible journey. We get to see things like butt bomb all because <laughs> um, Dakota has this in incredible way of, of building a, a bond that he doesn't want at first but then it's, it, it is really strong I think there should be more swimming if anything <laughs> I, I love that like a Rocky Four style montage um, but you know elongate it um, I just think she's wonderful and it's been really nice and it's always an education coming on this podcast to hear Denzel talking about his feelings on her as a performer mm. because it kind of helps to underpin my belief in what I see and was something really special. So she is the most valuable, whatever. Love it, Chris. Dakota Fanning, because of what he said. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give some special mentions. Walking is always great. Uh, uh, Giancarlo Giannini is fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, and Denzel, of course. Uh, but yeah, Dakota Fanning, she just makes this movie. Wow, look at us, three wow. for three again. All right, I'm I, sure. I, I wonder if we might have the same change, you know. I don't think we will. Okay. No, oh, we might I, do. I, I'm almost positive. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, that you haven't got what I would okay. change. Okay. okay. Chris, you go first then. I'm interested. Uh, I think at the end of the film, uh, Creasy should be walking with a strange gait as he approaches the villain's car. Do you see where I'm going with this? But uh, yes, but Daniel, the voice, is it Hernandez, isn't in that car. I don't care. Okay. He's going to go down in a blaze of glory. And so, yeah. Wait, you think he's put a butt bomb up himself? Yes. I think he should have a bomb <laughs> up his own butt. And I think there should be bits of Denzel Washington's ass all over these criminals at the end of the film. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. You really think we'd still be talking about this movie with such high regard well, if Denzel Washington blew up the bad guys with a butt bomb? I wrote that before I watched the deleted scenes. There's no. an alternate ending that Denzel Washington came up with, where he's in the car, he's taken to the house of the voice, he's bleeding out, he smiles, and he sets off the bomb up his arse. No! He, Denzel they, said they, that. They shot it. <laughs> they shot that ending. Wow. He came up with it, and they shot it. So, yeah, it's... And Tony Scott said it was the crowd-pleasing ending. We tested it, and audiences loved it, but it wasn't the poetic ending, which this one was, where he, he just gives his life for Peters rather yeah. than... Yeah, and, he, and he, a, a great use of that score again as well, yeah. when we see the, the yeah. graphics used with the kind of date of... So that wasn't... And, mine was yeah. him doing it in the car, but they, they took it one step wow. further. jeez. I mean, not all. You're speechless. I'm, I genuinely. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I, I think what I'm trying to fathom in my mind is whether it would have been a real fist pumping moment, or whether you'd sort of like you'd always have the sort of anatomical element going around in your head of sort of like. Yeah, they did. Would you be able to escape Denzel? They didn't shoot like, him putting out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'd immediately think that though. You'd, yeah. you'd be like. 
Yeah. Where did he do it? Or Peter comes running over the bridge. They're about to have a hug and her like digital watch goes <laughs> Or a Tomagachi needs feeding and bang, we're off. He does a fart. He does a, he does a fart and it sets yeah, the whole thing And they're all gone. OK, what would you change, Dave? I would add more scenes of Christopher Walken sucking his fingers. <laughs> oh, God. That's so mad. Now, oh, I, I hate food noises like yeah. most people do. I don't like watching people suck their fingers. I know it's, it's ill-mannered and I don't like it at the dinner table and I get all of that. But for some reason, and I did didn't know this was part of my brain. The moment, and he does it twice in this movie, I see Christopher Walken sucking like pork chop sauce off his fingers. It's one of the most, I want to say seductive things <laughs> I think I've ever seen. So I would have had another, at least three or four scenes interspersed throughout Man on Fire where Christopher Walken is sucking his own fingers. Wow. Does it not make you want to eat whatever it is he's 100%. eating? 100%. I've got, I can't even, I don't think we even see the food, but A, I really like Mexican cuisine and B, it's so good that he's like sucking it out from it's underneath like his like fingernails. Or something. Like, I, yeah, like, it's, but it's great. And he, and he does it, first of all, at one of the kind of weird house parties that he has. And then we see him just before he delivers that nice line about uh, a man can be an artist in anything and mm -hmm. his art is oh, death. Shit. And... Yeah, again, there. But, he's, but yeah, so there's the police chief having a corona and a Marlboro light. And then there's just <laughs> there's just Chris Falken sucking his fingers. And it's just such a beautiful piece of film. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, we, we, we should really put some food in front of you for this scene if you're going to be sucking your fingers. Otherwise, it's, it's just yeah. sort of weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a good thing. He should yep. start doing that in every movie he does going forward. It could be his little thing. Uh, mine is yeah. uh, kind of boring compared to these. I just think someone needs to like present some kind of threat to Denzel in the entire second half of this movie because oh, he just walks from revenge situation to revenge yeah. situation. Yeah killing everyone in with, with enough ass. time and space yeah. around him to do these elaborate killings as yeah, well yeah. like it's like if you've got one of the top Mexican cartel guys yeah. in the car and you're taking his fingers off and then mm. sealing them with the cigarette lighter mm. surely one of his guys are going to be well, around it, it's, it's a good it, point it's a good point it's it's that rule that we talked about on Die Hard where they had to write in a scene where the villain met the hero, mm. which is the scene where, you know, John McClane's pretending, uh, sorry, um, Hans Gruber's pretending he's American. And so, yeah, he should have met the voice and the voice should have been this, this threat to him. There should have been something like that. There really should. They just, you, 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 I, you know, you need some sort of, I think it was some action, really. We all talk about this, like, oh, that brilliant action movie, Man on Fire. Yeah, no really, no action in it at it's all. A, it's insane. No, it's Once a, you've got past it's a, it's the torture porn. It's a torture porn yeah. film. It is. It's, uh, this, you know, I, I, I sort of, you almost want, like, I guess the place to put it would be when he bazookas Fuentes' car, but, you know, there's some resistance there. Ooh. You have a gunfight in the street, mm. and then he kidnaps him. Just something that isn't him just going, bazooka, in the car, drive off, bum bum. bum. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, is it Butt Bomb or Bum Bomb? We've I'm going with Butt Bomb. Yeah. I, I prefer Butt Bomb. I wrote I down Bum Bomb, but yeah, I think Butt Bomb works better. Butt Bomb. It scans better, yeah. uh, All right, then. Uh, and that is us done on Man on Fire. Wow. So uh, we need to talk about next week very quickly. Uh, it's Vicky's choices. I've written a clue. Have you got a clue, though? I don't know what the films are. I do know what the films are. Oh, my God. Maybe this is the first time in the history of this podcast where I've done more prep than you for something. So the clue for next week's pairing is love books. That's it. Love books. I can say it different ways. Love books.
That was the same way, but with an eyebrow raise. That doesn't work in audio form. That's your clue uh, for next week. Love books. <laughs> right, that is it for this episode. Uh, Dave will be back on Thursday when we go through John Wick and find out whether it is Man on Fire or John Wick that uh, we, is um, John Wick that is our winner this week. Uh, in the meantime, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at TikTok at ClashPod. Speak to you Thursday. Bye bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.